season of this church I, I gave up I gave up recording what I preach here I started that in the first decade I was here I gave up I preach it too often like you know like it's too much to remember fill up all my memory in my computer so I'm just trusting the Lord you know the Apostle Paul told the Corinthians it's, it's not a problem for me to preach something again because you need to hear it again but we're gonna come from a completely different prophetic angle if you've heard me preach this is okay you must be a reason you're here again to hear it again. There's a reason. Genesis 3. Genesis 3, verses 1 through 13 in the voice. In the voice translation. We have to wait for them to uh, translate the, the, the passion version in Genesis. So, sorry, Bishop, we got to wait. They haven't done it yet. But in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, of all the wild creatures the eternal God had created, the serpent was the craftiest. Serpent said to the woman, is it true that God has forbidden you to eat fruits from the trees of the garden? Eve replied, no, serpent. God said we are free to eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. We are granted access to any variety and all the amounts of fruit with one exception. The fruit from the tree found in the center of the garden. God instructed us not to eat or touch the fruit. That's not true. God didn't say don't touch it, actually. That was bad translation from her husband. I know it never happens in modern days. Or touch the fruit of that tree or we will die. That part's true. Verse 4, the serpents retorted, die. No, you'll not die. God is playing games with you. The truth is, God knows, the day you eat the fruit from that tree, you will awaken something powerful in you and become like him, possessing knowledge of both good and evil. Verse 6, the woman approached the tree, eyed its fruit, and coveted the mouth, its mouth-watering, wisdom-granting beauty. She plucked the fruit from the tree and ate. She then offered the fruit to her husband, who was close by, and he ate as well. Suddenly their eyes were opened to a reality previously unknown. For the first time, they sensed their vulnerability and rushed to hide their naked bodies, stitching fig leaves into crude loincloths. Then they heard the sound of the eternal God walking in the cool, misting shadows of the garden. Why'd they hear it? It was a common sound. They were used to hanging out with God in the cool of the garden. They knew what he sounded like. The man and his wife took cover among the trees and hid from the eternal God. God called to Adam, where are you? Adam said, when I heard the sound of you coming in the garden, I was afraid because I am naked. So I hid from you. God asked, who told you that you are naked? Who have you been talking to? to? Who have you been listening to? Have you eaten from the tree in the center of the garden? The very same one I commanded you not to eat from? Adam, like a good red-blooded husband, pointed at his wife. It was she 
the woman you gave me as a companion. She put the fruit in my hands and at gunpoint she made me eat it. Chandler's version. God said to the woman, what have you done? What have you done? Father, thank you in Jesus' name that there was always redemption in your word. We have to look for it sometimes. It's not blatantly obvious, but it's there. There's always redemption in your precious life-giving word. Your word is always hopeful. Your word always gives us another chance. Your word is always extending your grace and your love. Your word is always wooing us back to you. Wooing us closer, wooing us into intimacy with you. May we have ears to hear you serenade us even today. May we hear your voice. And may we be enraptured by your heart to love us, draw us closely, draw us near. Because, Lord, you're the only safe person we know. You're the only one. May we run to you, our God, and amazingly, our friend. Let your signs and wonders and miracles and healings follow your word today. We absolutely are desperately in need of hearing from you. This is an age-old story, a story which haunts us to this day, but we need to hear from you even in this story, this narrative. Speak to us, Lord. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Let your grace abound in this building today. Let your heart be revealed. Your hearts. Let us receive even this day in Jesus' name. So we want to talk about identity theft. This story is tragic. The day began so well. It's like every, every other day. They were, they were blessed. They were in the Garden of Eden. Perfection. No smog. No traffic. No rush hour. Could work when they wanted to. They had energy. They had, they had boundless energy. Work didn't feel like work. There was peace. There was tranquility and serenity and harmony. No conflict, no strife. No arguments, no hurt, no pain. And then they had one conversation with the wrong person. It only takes one. And the script was flipped after one conversation. After one conversation, they lost it all. All the peace. All the joy. All, all the harmony. All the love. They were they were accustomed to, but between themselves and with God, gone because of one conversation.
since that conversation, man has been hiding ever since. Human beings hiding from each other, putting up walls, not letting each other in, having our guard up, self-protective, covering up in shame from each other. They didn't even know they were naked. But one conversation divulged their nakedness. And their peace vanished. Their tranquility disappeared in a moment's notice. They'd never experienced fear before. Can you imagine living completely without fear? They didn't know what the word meant. But they found Notice the blame game begins. We're so intuitive with the blame game. My wife, I mean, notice the double blame. My wife that you gave me. I'm innocent. I'm caught in between a hard place. My wife and you. It's your fault, God. I was minding my own business and you said you need to help me. This never would have happened if you hadn't given me a help me. If you hadn't performed surgery, put me to sleep against my will. We've been blaming each other ever since. After one conversation, they lost their identity. They lost their place. They forfeited their authority. One conversation. And we've been seeking to recover ever since. But I've got good news for you. Today's your day to get your identity back. Mankind has been languishing in lostness and Lack of, not only identity, but lack of focus, lack of clarity, lack of definition. If you look at your notes, for us to, to understand what identity is, we have to define it. On your handout, identity is, is the, distinct, the distinct personality of an individual regarded as a persistent entity. The distinct personality of an individual regarded as a persistent entity. And to break it down, let's just, let's hone in on the word personality because that's what we need to unpack today. A personality is a complex of all the attributes. Behavioral attributes, temperamental attributes, emotional attributes, and mental. The composite, the the marriage of all of those attributes, that which characterizes a unique individual. So, in other words, we encounter each other through our personality. We don't encounter each other physically. I mean, you know, it's physical stuff takes place, but, but, but you don't know someone until, until you know their personality. What, what, we, what we hear is someone's personality speaking. What, what, what we watch is someone's personality acting out. What we understand is someone's personality conveying something to us, not the physical body. It's the personality that is the person, what reveals the person. It is the personality that we get to know. And that is what makes a person who they are. It's the personality that defines our identity. Personality is at the core of who we are. And things went south 
for them after this, this fateful conversation in their personality and thus their identity. But write this down, please. I've got good news for you. It's on the screen also. Christ came specifically to restore our God-designed identity to us. Christ came specifically to restore our God-designed identity to us. We're going to read 1 Peter 2, 6 and 10. Translation, as the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem. Chosen. Anyone who trusts in him, say in him, will never be disgraced. Once you had no identity, circle the word identity if you have a pen. Circle the word identity. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Say we are God's people. Tell somebody next to you, I'm God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Tell somebody else, I've received God's mercy. You had no identity before, but in Christ, because of Christ, you now have an identity. He restores identity to you and me. But there's even more. How do we experience the full, say full? How do we experience the full restoration of our identity? Number one, realize that there is every reason to hope, to hope for complete restoration in Christ. As bad, as devastating, again, as tragic, as catastrophic as that conversation was for all of us. There is full restoration in spite of all of this, in spite of what Adam did. Being complicit with Eve. But Adam bears the brunt of it. The scriptures are clear. Adam bears the brunt of it because God told Adam directly, don't do that. So his was a different kind of transgression. His was blatant rebellion. The ladies are saying, amen. Guys, come on, come on. Dude, he's talking about you, not me. But there is restoration in Christ. There's hope in Christ. There's hope in Christ. I mean, they blew it. Their sin is still reverberating through us, around us. It's messed everything up. But hallelujah, there is restoration in Jesus. There is hope in him. But we have to face what happened here. We have to confront it and speak Christ into the situation. Look at, look at what the verses say in Romans 5 and 15. For the gift of God is not like the trespass. For as the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. Yeah, Adam messed up, but Jesus made up for it. Hallelujah. Jesus is our answer, is our hope, is our redeemer. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam all died, but but so in Christ all will be made alive. 1 Corinthians 15, 45, so it is written, the first Adam became a living being, the last Adam, Christ, a life-giving spirit. How many of you received life in Jesus? I can't hear you. How many of you received life, life, life? In your spirit, life in God. So number two, after realizing there's hope, number two, fully discover your identity in Christ, write this down, and only in him. See, this is the deal. It can only, only be in him. You're only going to find it in him. You're only going to find it in him. We've got to unpack this. Oh, it's only found in him. There are no substitutes. There can be, but they are incomplete. 
They are paltry compared to what's found in him. Listen, listen to what David says in Psalm 62, verses 5 and 8. My soul, wait only upon God. My soul, wait only upon God. My soul, wait what? Only. I can't hear you. Only upon God. No, no one, no one can be accepted. I'm not crying out to anybody else. I'm not looking at anybody else. I'm not expecting anybody else. My expectation, hear it. My expectation is of the Lord. Listen, my soul wait only upon God and silently submit to Him. My for my hope and my expectation are from Him. I know so many couples. And their expectation is of their spouse. I know so many adult children and their expectation is of their parents. I know so many young ladies and their expectation is of their boyfriend or the, or the one they don't have. Let me tell you, your expectation better be of him. No one can make you happy. Nobody. Don't find out the hard way. If you think it's bad now, if you're lonely now, don't get married. The only one that can heal that part of you is him. I can't hear nobody. I can't. No one from this side. Oh, they're, you're doing all this stuff. No, didn't say a word when I said that. I can't get a witness in the house here. <laughs> Start the music, Austin. Where's Austin? We need the music right now because they're not saying a word. Where's Austin? I better go and play. Please, please, please listen. No one can fulfill you but him. A, a, a happy relationship is predicated upon both of you being whole. Both of you bringing wholeness to the table. It's hard. It's hard to get amen. Both of you bring wholeness. In a friendship, both of you bring wholeness that is only found in him. So there's not this pressure game and this blame. You to be my need and you to say it right. And, and I would look at you to be, to be there for me. And it was a weak moment I had. You better take your weakness to the Lord. You better learn to take your weakness to the Lord. And, 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 not, and not burden some human being with your God-sized needs. Only God can heal your stuff. Oh, blessed be the name. Now this side is quiet, except for Elder Anita. Elder Troy's not helping me at all. So you're, on, you're on your own, Chandler. I love you, brother, but God will fill that God-sized hole in your heart. See, that's the beauty of the Blessing Generation Seminar that all of you need to attend. What happens? God can get you still for a weekend, parquet, so he can tell you at a level you've never heard before, I love you you anyway and it will set you free in every way in every group this weekend you heard people weeping and sobbing and all they heard was I love you but God knows how to say it to you it will ring your bell and it will release you from pressuring others. But only reach. So we're having one next weekend. I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm lying. I won't be here next weekend. <laughs> There'll be one soon. 
So let's keep reading. Trust in, rely on, and have confidence in him at all times. You people, pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us, a fortress and a high tower. Selah, pause, and calmly think of that. You need to just calm down and get silent. I know some of y'all have a with God. Stand in line. After me, I've got a multitude of questions. Why? Why did you put me in my mom and my daddy's womb? What were you thinking? I'm not the only one. But a part of hearing the answer is learning how to get silent and stop talking so much so you can hear. That if God is all wise, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, you should listen. Maybe he will speak to you. He will. As you learn to silence your soul, silence your heart. It, 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 it's a process. It takes time, but it's worth the effort. He says, trust in him, lean on him, rely on him, have confidence in him at all times. Even when I don't understand what I'm going through, what just happened, I'm going to put my trust in you. Even though I'm clueless and I'm hurting and the pain is great, but I'm going to trust you. And, but David says, then you better learn how to pour your heart out to God. You better learn how to pour your heart out. You better learn how to pour your heart out. Because God is your refuge, your fortress, your high tower. Number three, that there's only hope in him. There is hope, but your identity is only, only discovered in him. Number three, decide to, to build your life on the truth and nothing but the truth. This is where, we, this is where we're going to spend some time. Decide to build your life on the truth and nothing but the truth. Let's, let's listen to Jesus, Jesus speak in John 8. If you stick with this, living out what I tell you, then you will experience for yourselves the truth. And the truth will do what? It will do what? It will do what? What does King James say? And you will know the truth, and the truth will? The truth has that power. It's a, it's a freedom bringer. It's a freedom activator. It's a, it's a liberty giver. The truth. The truth. John 17, 17, Jesus is praying to his father. And he says, Lord, make them holy by your truth. Make them holy by your truth. Make them holy by your truth. Lies will never make you holy. Flattery will never make you holy. Teach them your word. Why? Because your word is truth. Romans 3 and 4, Paul writes, Indeed, let God be true and everybody else a liar. Why? John 8, 44, Jesus speaks, he says, Because there is no truth in him, referring to Satan. Remember the serpent with Eve? You won't die. God's just withholding from you. God's not being forthcoming, not being completely forthcoming. God, God, is, God is keeping some good things from you. You don't want, you don't want to depend on him. You better, he's not trustworthy. You can't really trust. You better not put all your hope in it. You better put eggs in several baskets. You better have a contingency plan. You better have a plan B. Because you can't trust God, not fully, because he will keep something from you. He will give you everything. He will find a way. He will find a way. There will be some exculpatory clause. He will find a way not to bless you the way you need to be blessed. Look at your life. There's proof everywhere. Look, look, look at all the times where you missed your blessing, all the times that the promotion didn't come to you, all the times where, for some reason, you were in the wrong place. God was holding out on you. After all, he's sovereign. He could have done it if he wanted to. 
Jesus said, Satan is a liar. Two of you said amen. We, we have to unearth this. Jesus said, because there was no truth in him. How much truth is in the devil? You, how much truth is in the devil? Say it with me. There was no truth in the devil. And Jesus said, when he speaks a lie, a falsehood, he speaks what's natural to him. That's what he does all the time. For he is a liar himself. Now, in the, in the denomination I was raised in, they said this way, the devil is a lie. I mean, he's a, he's a lie himself. I mean, you know, there's part and parcel. It's intuitively, he's, he's a lie. He's, you know, it's, he's, he's lying. He's a lie. He's a liar. No, the statement makes sense, but they said it nonetheless. But anyway. For he is a liar himself and the father of lies and of all that is false. So look at John 10 and 10 because we have to marry these two verses to understand what Satan did in the garden when he stole their identity, purpose, and their destiny, their joy, their peace, their love, their tranquility, their unity. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. So the devil has a threefold job description. Jesus just explained to us the devil's job description. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, here's my job description. I came that they, you may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance. So, so now let's understand this because there are many other verses that tell us that in Jesus we have victory over Satan. In Jesus we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. In Jesus nothing can separate us from his love. In Jesus we have the whole armor of God. And so we must ask, well then, well then how can he defeat me? How can he hurt me? How can he harm me if I'm a believer? The answer is simple through lies. All the devil has working for him is lies. He is a master liar. He is the best. He's honed his skills. He's mastered his craft. Like this down. If the devil's lips are moving, he's lying. You got to understand this. This is so critical for you to walk in your, your identity, for it to be restored, for you to have God's identity, God's purpose, God's, God's destiny for your life. If his lips are moving, he's lying. If you unpack what he said to Eve, he was lying, 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 and suggesting that God Everything God has ever said about you is true. And all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So God tells the truth and the devil lies. Say it with me. God tells the truth all the time. The devil lies. If the devil's lips are moving, he's lying. That's why it's important who you have a conversation with. If you're talking to the wrong person, if you are, if you are listening to the wrong person, they can sow a lie in your heart. 
If you don't guard who you talk to and who you listen to and who you let influence you and, and who you are leaning on and who you are depending on for counsel and who you're looking to for advice, if you're not careful, you will get a lie in your heart and you won't even know it's there. Because a lie is like a virus in a computer. The best virus is the one that's undetectable. You don't even know it's there. And it's, it's, it's commandeered your life. It's hijacked your life. And your whole life is based on a lie. Now, even though you love Jesus, your life can still be hijacked. Your dreams can be hijacked. And you're wondering, where is the Lord? And why hasn't it come to the past? And his word says, and why hasn't it been fulfilled? And the devil says, because you can't trust him. He's holding back on you. He's withholding from you. When in reality, you've innocently swallowed some lies. And the virus has been released. So now you doubt God and you believe in the devil. God's telling you to move out in your ministry. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I should. I don't know if God will show up. God's telling you to believe for provision. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the money's going to come. I, I don't know. I don't know if God's trustworthy. I don't know if, 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 God, if, if, if God can be counted on. Will, will he show up? God tells you to go for that interview. Well, I don't know about that. You know, I'm, you know that, 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 that job is... It's, it's beyond my qualification. Go talk to your supervisor, ask for a raise. Well, I don't know. My, you know, my mama told me just be satisfied with what you have. The Lord said, go to your boss and offer that proposal. Well, I, I don't know, you know, huh? I'm not as smart as other people. And, you know, maybe, maybe Joe, you know, he was MIT. I went to TT. TTU. God is saying, tell the leadership of the church that you, you, have, you have this spiritual gift. I'm I, no, no, no. No, you know, I'm just going to be quiet and not, not make any trouble. I'm not going to rock the boat. My mama said, play it safe. My mama said, you better keep what you got. <laughs> Let me pick on your daddy, too. You see, you see, lies are transferred. Hear me, when your parents have lies, they transfer lies. They don't mean to. I know I'm a parent, didn't mean to, didn't know what I was doing until I got the blessing generation. To know I've been lying for years. Praying for them and lying to them at the same time. Loving them and lying to them at the same time. Sowing in their hearts disbelief in themselves, sown in their hearts insecurities, sown in their hearts pain. But aren't you glad for the truth? It will set you free. And so I can love my parents. I can love, I can love God for putting me in that womb. I understand so much better now. I get it. The pain from my womb is simply my anointing. That was the purpose to put me in that womb. So I would be well able to understand and flow in the power of God because I know the pain. So the pain produced anointing and power and, and the promise of God that I know all about that pain so I can minister to you by the Spirit. Nobody knows that pain like I know. I was in John and Mary's womb. God has a purpose for the pain, and it's good. 
and we sang it, it's good. We sang the Lord is good. Did you all mean that? That God is good even when I don't understand everything that's going on. Let, let me finish because I, I, I want to I tell you the vision I had. So if Satan's lips are moving, he is, he is lying. So number four, number four, receive healing in, in your relationships by finding, finding all your worth and value and value and value. Finding all your worth and value in him alone. Write that down, in him alone. God will heal you to find all your worth and value in him alone. Can, can I tell you something? Now, you know, I know where I am. I, I, I know who you are by the spirit. I've been around this church for 22 years. I get it. You know, it's, it's grown. Obviously, um, anyone who says you don't need three services is not listening to God. Duh. Anyone who says you don't need three services has no faith. Cannot see what God is clearly doing. But see, those are lies. Those are lies that cages in, lies that boxes in, lies that tell us no, lies that tell us, well, don't do that. That's that's too risky. Lies. When Jesus is saying, throw your nets on the other side. During the daytime, when no one fishes, because there are no fish. Jesus will challenge you at the point of your expertise. He did this to Peter. Why? Because Peter was a pro. He was a professor. He had a fishing fleet. Please understand, the disciples were not poor. They, had, they were entrepreneurs. They had businesses. Oh, only Elder Cameron said right. They had businesses. He, in the story in, in Luke 5, he, he, he called for, the Bible says, his partners, John and James, who had a fishing business. And together, they harvested the miracle that Jesus gave, and their nets were breaking. You don't fish during daytime with nets. Because the fish run from the sun. They go deep. You fish at night with nets. The fish rise to the surface at nighttime where there's no sun. And Peter said, we fished all night and there was nothing to catch. And it's daytime and you're telling me to fish? This makes no sense. This is illogical. Peter said, I went to MIT's fishing school. And pardon my negative, this don't make no sense. But Peter was smart enough to say, but at thy word, but at thy word, but at thy word, this is nonsensical to me. This is illogical. This is irrational, but at thy word. And they threw their nets on the other side, and wow, they got a catch like they'd never known before. Legendary harvest, legendary prosperity, legendary blessing. Because God will invade your workplace, invade your expertise, invade your profession, and he will show you he's smarter than the average bear. He's smarter than you. You think you know you think you know your job, right? You think you know. You think you know. You don't know diddly. Wouldn't recognize him if you walked in now. But God knows diddly. So God wants to show us. See, this is the miracle. This is the miracle of it all. God wants to show us that he's smarter than us. Listen to what it says in, in Luke 4 and 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, talking about Jesus. He is speaking about himself. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, quoting Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, the messianic prophecy in Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, quoted, and Isaiah is called the fifth 
gospel because he spoke so accurately and comprehensively and exhaustively about the Christ. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to send them as delivered to send forth as delivered those who are downtrodden, those who are bruised, those who are crushed, and those who are broken down by calamity. Jesus is anointed for us. We are broken people, and Jesus is anointed for us. We've been downtrodden, and Jesus is anointed for us. We have been bruised, and Jesus is anointed for us. How do I know you're bruised? Because you were born to human parents. You qualify. And I studied all the parenting books, just like I studied all the marriage books before I got married. And I was an expert until the first day I got married. Then I flunked the test the first day. And I was going to be the perfect parent. And I was going to do it right. And I was going to be there for my kids. I got on the... You better put your hope in the Lord. I warned my children when they were younger. I said, you better pray for me because I can really mess up your life. I... Sh- I shouldn't have prophesied that. Hallelujah. I didn't know I was a prophet then. I didn't know. I didn't know I was a prophet. Number five, real fast. Resolve to live out your God-given identity. Resolve to live out your God-given identity by God's grace. Listen to the verse. I tell you, Jesus said, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this god created identity the way our Father lives toward us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind, so you be kind that you you will have his identity, and it will make you kind, and you will have his identity, and and, and you will love others, and you will have his identity, and it will make you generous, and you will have his identity, and it will make you gracious. With his identity, we're different from what we are now. It's proof we don't have this identity. It's proof that we've been robbed. We've been robbed. We're acting all kind of things out. I'm afraid of some leaders even in the church because they've been robbed. They're mean. They're condescending. They're difficult to work with. But they say, but I'm anointed. Listen, I, I can't even remember your anointing right now. Your, 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 your attitude is so funky. Where's your compassion? Why are you talking down to people? Because your identity is messed up. Anybody with a bad identity, a, a harmed identity, a disabled identity acts like that. We mistreat people when our identity is wounded. We hurt people when our identity is wounded. We are not gracious when our identity is wounded. We're hard to live with when our identity is wounded. But I'm so glad for Jesus. And why is our identity wounded? Because we have been listening to lies. Somebody lied to you. Because they lied to me too. And so now, you know, now my wife can get away with murder with me. I don't care. It took a long time to get here. That stuff that used to bother me, I'm like, it's just gone. I was like, it was stupid the whole time I was upset with her all day long. Because she moved my piece of bread. She always moves my piece of bread. It's a conspiracy. 
is Satan. There's a woman again that God gave me. And she doesn't love me. I know she doesn't love me. I know it. She said she did. When a woman says, I do, it means you do. That's what it means. Hallelujah. I was like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew this was going to be, was going to be you know, lopsided. It's going to be unfair. And I was going to do all the work. Lies, lies, lies. And, you, and all day long thinking about the lies and just fomenting and fermenting and, and just, just growing and just, just, oh, my God, the torment. I'm not the only one. And in friendships, even with, with, with precious young adults who love each other, you're acting like idiots because of lies. Can't get along with the dog next door. The dog has an agenda against you. You're not that important. The dog has better things to do. You have an overinflated ego. Your ego needs healing. You think too much of yourself because of lies. So let me tell you the vision I had of, of PT. I was in uh, Kuala Lumpur, the capital of Malaysia. In fact, PT sent us there on a missions trip. Thank you. Here's your reward. Two years ago, and I was asked to preach at several churches, but I was asked to preach at the largest African church in Malaysia. And it was uh, led by Nigerian pastors, precious, godly people. But the church was, you know, was, was fully African. Everybody was there, Ghanaians and, you know, Zimbabweans, South Africans, and, you know, you name it, it was there. Great church. And, and, and I was in the service, and two things happened to me. Uh, and, and two revelations, and I was thinking of PT the whole time. I didn't know why until afterwards. But I noticed something when they came around for the offering, they came around for several things they did, and, and, I, and I saw the Africans. And they were... I was like, first of all, I said, Lord, I can't do that. But I said, Lord, I said, Lord, there are a lot of Africans at PT. Why don't I ever see them doing that? I had a, I had a moment with God. I had a moment with God. I said, Lord, why don't the Africans at PT do that? I said, Lord, are they ashamed of their identity? Have they become Americanized? Are they trying to fit in? Are they denying who they are? Oh, yeah. This was in Malaysia. I'm having a conversation with God while they're coming around. And I said, why is there freedom here? And I don't see it at PT. I said, Lord, who's lied to them? Made them believe they're supposed to clamp that down. Oh, it's hard to preach in here right now. Let me hide and preach. And the truth will set you free. I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not ashamed to say it because God spoke to me. He gave me a vision of what you did today. Now, maybe you needed to move into Magazine Street. Maybe that was it. Maybe Magazine Street gave you the room to do it. I don't know, but thank you. Don't let anybody steal your identity. Nobody's worth it. It's not worth belonging. It's not worth belonging. You belong to him. That's all the belonging you need. Don't lose in America what God gave you. And if you're French here today, you better be French. And if you're German, you better be German. And if you are Irish, please be Irish. And if you're Italian, you're a soul brother anyway. 
what you are. Don't let anybody steal your identity because in your identity is your life. And Satan stole Adam and Eve's identity and they never got it back. But we have Christ, so we get it back. And I looked over there and I saw the guys doing what they were doing, what I can't do. And it was in Malaysia that I found out what I am genetically. My brother, born to the same mother and father, he's much more fair-skinned than I am. He's got my mother's skin color. I got my daddy's skin color. It is what it is. But anyway, so, so I found out that I am predominantly Nigerian. And I have Nigerian friends. You know, you, you know Victoria, Vicky, Victoria? She told me what tribe I'm from. I'm not sure it was a compliment. She said, they act just like you. She should know. So anyway, so, but you know, but it, it was great. It was great, you know. The, you know she, she made it a compliment. It was like, you know, you're saying something else too on the slide, but it's all right. Praise the Lord. I received it. And I'm secondarily Ghanaian. And... I, some other stuff, some other stuff thrown in, and I've got some gringo in me too. I don't get that much. <laughs> My brother has more, obviously, because of his skin color. But 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 the point is this: that 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 whatever we are, God did it, and it's time to stop blaming Him and embrace who we are. We need everything that you are in this church. For you to reach everybody you're supposed to reach, we need everything that you I saw some vanilla guys coming around dancing. I don't know what they were doing, but it was beautiful. I thought they were going to fall and hit their nose, but I said, God, help them stay, stay afloat. But they were in it, at it, and it was like, oh, yeah, you go, baby. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Because it's going to take that kind of praise in this church to beat down the devil. That's the call of this church. That's the call of this church. And don't you ever get cute and don't you ever get edumacated. God will come against you with a vengeance. Because whatever school you went to, he let you in and he let you finish. Many started and many failed. So God, by his grace, let you in and let you finish. By his grace. Don't you dare think you did anything. You did nothing. The Lord lifted you. And I resent people who are proud because I understand God's heart for this because who do you think you are? You think you did it? You know how many people didn't get into your school? Smarter than you? The Lord opened the door. Said, my son, my daughter, walk on in. The Lord made a way. The Lord gave you the money. Even the money you're paying back still. <laughs> Thank the Lord. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Thank you. And so the, 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 second, the second vision I had was, was uh, prior, prior to that service in this African church, I thought all black people could sing. I did, I did. I, I just thought, I thought all black people, I, I'm, you know, ignorant, you know. And so they got up there and, and, and they had a, a kind of a testimony portion where like eight or nine of them got up and they sang their testimony. And, and they, didn't, they didn't speak it, they sang it. They sang the same song. And it got worse and worse and worse. Oh, God. Oh, God. It was torture. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord. And, and, and it was like each one got up and tried to outsing the other one. And it got worse and worse and worse. And I was like, Lord, I can't take much more of this. Deliver me, God. Because, you know, we're used to American Idol. 
and the voice, and now the four. We're used to a certain, you know, stylistic and quality of, of voice and singing. And I'm sitting there and I'm judging them. And I'm saying, God, the anointing has left the building. The anointing left the city. They are destroying the anointing. God, heal my eardrums. Please. Please. And they were sincere like no one I've ever seen. They were earnest. They were genuine like no one I've ever seen. They were crying. They were giving their testimony. Well, I was crying too, but it's because of the sound. But they were giving. They were, I'm just telling the truth. I'm just telling the truth. God, forgive me. I'm just telling the truth. I repented already, but I'm, let me repent to you too. Uh, and and, and I, was, I was there, and the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He said, Chandler, shut up. He said, Chandler, it sounds good to me. Because Chandler, they're not singing to you. Ooh. 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 Put me in my place. Chandler, they're not singing to you. They're singing to me. Sounds wonderful to my ears. We got to be careful that we don't make this American Idol. Hear me. Hear me, church. Hear me, church. We got to be careful we don't make this American idol. Yeah, you know, you know, do everything with excellence. I get it. But there are times when God will use the worst voice to bring his glory. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Please hear me. If, 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 if you study Christian music in this country, you will see that the people who have been the most anointed did not have the best voice. Andre Crouch is an example. He didn't have the best, 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 best voice, but nobody was more anointed than Andre. No one wrote the songs that we still sing today. To God be the glory, Andre Crouch. You know, and all these songs he wrote, I mean, powerful, anointed songs, and he did not have the best voice. I could go down the list with people that I know myself who are the most anointed. Rarely did they have the best, best, best voice. And please understand, I know music. Edwin Hawkins died last week. Edwin Hawkins was the choir director at my church growing up. Walter's my first cousin, married to Tremaine Hawkins, my first cousin. On my, on my father's side, my mother's side, my cousins, my close cousins are Mary Mary. So I, I, know, I know incredible singing. I know incredible singing. But I also know when there's no anointing. And, and there have been times when I've been in Africa and, and, and I witnessed them singing beyond the anointing, dancing beyond the anointing. God had stopped. They were still dancing. Because it was no longer about God. It was about culture. It's so good to travel. Puts things in perspective. Whatever we do, it has to be anointed. Whatever we do, it must be spirit-led. Whatever we do, it must be the Lord leading. We cannot worship culture. It's not for you to get your culture on. It's for us to magnify the Lord, however he dictates it. And sometimes he will say, just be quiet and worship me in silence. Bow before me and be quiet because I'm that holy. No noise right now suffices. I want silence because I'm in my holy temple. And other times is you better get it on. You better. You better. And even if you're vanilla, you better get it on. What's the point? God wants you to get your identity back. Stop being ashamed of who you are. Admit the lies you've been told. You can't do this and you can't do that. That's not for you. And, and you'll never be there. And, and, and you'll never own that. Lies. You'll never have a happy marriage. You'll never have anybody love you. Lies. You're 
unlovely. You, you, you're not lovable. Lies. You're not worthy of love. Lies. 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 But I don't have any of those lies. Yes, you do, because you, you act out all the time. Father, in Jesus' name, we need you to restore us. We need you to heal us. And the good news is that you are that, that healer, that restorer. In fact, you're the only one that can do it. And so we come right now, Father. Right now. Would you, would you read the prayer? Read the prayer. That is at the bottom of your notes. Let's read it together. It's time for us to bring our attitudes to the Lord and be healed. Stop making excuses for your behavior because the Lord's a healer. Let's read it together out loud. Uno, dos, tres. Father God, thank you for all that you have given me in Christ. Help me to place all my trust hope and confidence in him. Let me receive total healing and restoration in my life and relationships as I direct all my expectations to Christ and to him alone. By faith, I receive strength today to live out my true identity in and through Christ. I praise you that I know you are the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. In the name of Jesus.